Well, it's the Merry Christmas season, a time of joy and cheer and everything happy. The problem is when we get together with folks and talk about real life, we come to see that Christmas isn't always merry. I almost put on this slide one of the red circles with the cross through it. Because I realize that for some folks, some of you undoubtedly sitting here today, it isn't necessarily a Merry Christmas. Life's challenges, problems that come up, crises we face, maybe feeling the pain of past loss, all kinds of things cause situations where we need a gift at Christmas, but not the kind of gift that comes in a box. Because the truth is, life isn't always merry. Not just at Christmas time, throughout the year. If you think about it, most of us in this country came with the idea that we would go to this new land, or our ancestors did, and things are just going to be better. And they're going to get better and more better. There was this sense of progress being inevitable. The problem is, we're starting to question that, aren't we? There's all kinds of challenges we face, and things aren't necessarily getting better and better. We are more connected than we have ever been, and yet we feel more alone than we ever have. There's more communication happening constantly. We are bombarded by communication, and yet in some ways we've never felt so isolated. We have more friends than we can count. No, we do count them. We count them sometimes daily and hourly and by the minute. The problem is we're never sure how many friends we're going to have in the next hour. Because some post, something may change. We have so many options and so many possibilities, and at the same time, we've never felt so overwhelmed and probably less fulfilled. I think we do all have a list at Christmas time, but it's not really a list of things that need to be put in boxes or need to be gift wrapped. I think we live in an age when we share a lot of the same wishes for Christmas, the gifts we would like to have, although we probably are not sure we're going to get them under the tree. One is to not be alone, to have real friends who will always be there, and we can count on them. That ideal loving family, people that are there for me whenever I need them. Not only to not be alone, I think a second thing we look for is to know that we are loved, and loved with an unconditional love, a love that will never go away. A love that I'm not afraid I'm going to get unfriended. A love that is constant. I think the third thing is to know that our life has purpose. Whatever is going on, however chaotic our life might be, or however uncertain our life may be due to events beyond our control. Events, whether it's in Washington, D.C. or on the other side of the world, events that I can't change, but they impact us immediately. 
And tied to that is the fourth wish that says, are things really going to be okay? In this crazy world or this life I'm facing or what I've heard from the doctor or what's going on with my company or my family or my friends or whatever, am I really going to be okay? Now, we don't talk about that when we hang our ornaments and we sit around the beautiful tree, but those are the real gifts that we're hungering for. And that's what we've been talking about this Christmas season is what God was really doing in Christmas, not just the events themselves, but the why behind them. And we've looked at some of those things that God was trying to do for us. But what I want to show you today is that God is actually granting our Christmas wishes. And the very things that we hunger for the most in this crazy life that we live in today are the very gifts that God was giving us at Christmas. I want to go back to those list of four things that I read off that we wish for at Christmas and show you how God met each of those. And the first thing God was doing was sending a powerful message to each of us that we are loved. We are. We have that. We possess that from God. No matter how uncertain we may be about that from anybody else, No matter how uncertain a list of friends is or how much I'm followed, no matter how much that may change, that love of God is there and it will never change. In Jeremiah 31, we read, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness, kindness that never runs out, and love that never ends. He spoke that to Jeremiah as Israel was facing captivity and seeming defeat, how their life wasn't working right in that moment. But God reassures them and says, I have an everlasting love for you, and I have kindness towards you that I will show you and it will never fail. And then he says to the prophet Isaiah, again, when Israel was facing captivity and suffering and terrible circumstances, and they're questioning God and saying, do you really care about us? Remember Mark up here with his grandson? This is what God says. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Well, she may forget, but I will never forget you, God says. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I have tattooed your name on the palms of my hands. God says, your walls are ever before me. Now, those are two passages that God spoke to ancient Israel to reassure them that they had God's love. Whatever the circumstances they might be facing, they had God's love. What I want you to see today is that in Christmas, we receive a message that God has an even greater love for us. 
not just as great as he had for ancient Israel. He has a greater love for us. That's why Christmas happened. That God might come himself and say, I love you. I love you so much. I have come to earth because you needed me to come. That is how much I care for you. That is God who is saying that. And that is such a different love than we experience today. The love today we are unsure of, we wonder about, it leaves us if someone dies. There's all kinds of ways that we struggle to continually feel love today, and yet God has come to say, you don't need to, because I have loved you with an everlasting love. I feel unfailing kindness towards you. You never have to worry, I love you. I've quoted him before, but from Abba's child, Brennan Manning said these words, there is nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. And there is nothing we can do to make God love us any less. Those seem to be opposite statements, but they are actually saying the same thing from both ends. There's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore because His love for us is so great. You have all of that love from God right now. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. Sure, we're going to do wrong. God knows that. We have done wrong. God knows that. He still loved us. He still left heaven and came to earth. He came to that manger knowing we do wrong. We don't measure up. He does not unfriend us. He came to help us because of how much he loves us. And that was the first thing he wanted to give us was that unconditional, unfaltering love. And that each of us, each of us might know that personally. Please put your name in there. For God so loved you that he gave his only son. You are loved by God. That's why Christmas happened. The second gift God gave us is that we are not alone. We may feel that at times. And that clearly is an issue that our, our, our nation is struggling with. And our young people are especially struggling with. That they aren't feeling that they are not loved and that they are alone, but we're not. Again, I want to show you a promise that God made to ancient Israel. This promise, he spoke to both Moses and Joshua. As they are leaving Egypt, and they are approaching the promised land, a land full of people who are already there and aren't about to move out. An overwhelming challenge, a, a hopeless challenge, for which they felt very alone. And what does God say to them? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them, 
for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, never abandon you. That was God's promise to them. And we know that he didn't abandon Moses or Joshua. He remained with them and he delivered them and brought them to the promised land. And now for us, God says, I won't just speak from my heaven and promise you my help. I like the way the message says it in John God moved into the neighborhood. God says, I want you to know that you are not alone, so I'm coming to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. God says, I'm going to move into your neighborhood so that you never wonder, is God around? Does God care? Does he notice? And he says, yes, I notice. Yes, I see, I have come to earth in human form so that you will never wonder if I see, if I understand. I've walked where you walk. I've faced what you face. I've felt what you're feeling. The brokenness of the world overwhelmed me, God says. I get it. You're not alone. I am with you. Christ hasn't left us. He is alive again, and one of the last things he said is, I will be with you till the end of the age. He knows us, he sees us, we can talk with him. And even greater than that, God said, I will take up residence inside you through my spirit. I will be right there with you. How do Christians today face challenges in countries where they are martyred for their faith? Their stories say again and again, in that prison cell, I knew I was not alone. As I faced whatever I faced, I knew I was not alone. God was with me. He was right there. Please hear that promise of God to you. Whatever you're facing in your life, you are not alone. I know it may feel that way at times. And we may not be able to look around and see anybody in that room with us, but there is someone greater who understands. He moved into the neighborhood, and he is there with you. And that was one of the gifts he came to earth at Christmas to give you is that you would never be alone. The third thing that God came to give us at Christmas is to show to us, prove to us, that we have a value that cannot be calculated. Whoever you might have in your mind as some of the most wealthy people, I'm probably dating myself by saying Bill Gates because there's people way beyond him anymore. Or entertainers that just have a fame and a whatever that is beyond our imagination, you're more valuable. Please understand that. Again, this is what God said to ancient Israel 
since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Israel was facing captivity, and God's promise to them was, you are so special to me, so precious, I am not forgetting you, and I am going to send a deliverance, and there will be nations lost because of you that I might rescue you. That's how valuable you are to me. God says to us, you are so valuable to me, I will give my one and only son for you. I will sacrifice Jesus because you are so valuable to me. You are so precious and honored in my sight. To save you, I will ask my son to die on the cross. That's how valuable you are. And we need to hear that message. God knows we need to hear that message. Because we live in a world that is increasingly saying we're not valuable. We are a cog in huge corporations or in uh, circumstances or in neighborhoods or in families and whatever where we're not valuable. And we hit, get that bombarded with that message. And God says, yes, you are. Don't ever believe that. Don't ever let that message settle in your heart or your head because it's not true. And I have proved how valuable you are to me. I sacrificed my son because of how important you are to me. Please hear that. And the last gift that God gave us is that we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Not because we have all the answers. Not because tomorrow is certain. It's not. We never will have all the answers. But the God who created Christmas, the God who came to earth for your sake is going to take care of you. He is going to take care of you. Hebrews 13. If you haven't looked up any of the verses, look this one up and read with me. First of all, the writer of Hebrews says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with whatever you have because this is what God has said. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So now we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now I want you to go back and read the first verse. God says, don't be obsessed about money and what you have because it can't take care of tomorrow. And I'm sure every one of us in this room have seen lives, people, who had so much, and it still couldn't take care of tomorrow. When the disease came, or the, or the car wreck came, 
or their company crash or whatever other circumstances come along and all that money couldn't take care of tomorrow. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't be obsessed about that because instead of that stuff, you have a God who has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And because of that fact, that kind of a God who is that committed to us, then the writer of Hebrews says, that's why we can say, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid anymore. God is with me. So the writer of Hebrews concludes, what can mere mortals do to me? I have to tell you this story. I've debated about it. Some of you know that a long time ago when there was an Iron Curtain and a communism in the Soviet Union form, Peggy and I were Bible smugglers. And in that time, Romania was one of the toughest of the communist regimes. They were so hard on the Christians. And it was so fun because the communists in Romania were just going nuts. Because revival was breaking out in the country. Hundreds of people were coming to Christ. And the more they threw people in jail, the more Christians there were. It was like, you know, you try and step out a brush fire, and all it does is spread sparks. Well, that's what the Romanian communists were experiencing, and they were just going nuts. One of their greatest preachers was actually a painter. And they finally threw him out of the country, but that was all in God's timing. Because that, pre that painter had literally led thousands of people to Christ in Romania. But now you have all these baby Christians who don't know anything. And in God's wisdom, he allowed that preacher to be exiled. Communists threw him out. Well, then a preacher took over named Joseph Tzon. And he was this phenomenal teaching pastor. I got to be in one of the services. There were... There were probably over a thousand young people who had come to Christ, and they were all in this packed sanctuary with their Bibles and their notebooks out, and he was just discipling them. And he was teaching them and teaching them, and they were growing like crazy. Joseph Sohn told this later. He was taken in by the secret police. And said, you have to stop teaching. And he said, no. And he said, you have to stop teaching. Or we'll kill you. And his answer was, go ahead and kill me. You kill me, I win. You kill me, the, my blood is on all of these cassette tapes that are now throughout Romania. And they will know that I died for this teaching. It's that important. <laughs> the secret police let him go. And he continued to teach. 
What do you do with somebody when if you kill him, he wins? But you see, if you're a Christian, that's you. And that's what God said, I want to give you. I want to give you. That's why I came to earth in that manger. So that whatever happens, you can know I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. So with the writer of Hebrews, we can say, what can mere mortals do to me? God is with me. And if God is with me, what else matters? You see, God came to give us this message. We don't need to be afraid anymore. And I want you to hear that. When we live in a culture where suicide is mushrooming, because people feel they are not loved, they have no hope, no one cares. And God said, yes, I do. I have come to earth because I love you so much. I give my son on the cross because you matter so much to me. And I will never leave you. Never. God says to every one of us, I got this. Hold my hand. I got this. That's why Christmas happened. So God could give you that message. Father, thank you for all you did for us at Christmas. All the gifts that you want to give us. Your love, your presence. To show us how valuable we are to you. And peace that you will never Never leave us. Father, if there are people in this room who need these gifts today, I pray that your spirit would plant them in their hearts and their minds. These gifts, these messages from you. May we each at Christmas understand all that you care for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.